RD Talks, brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. The Shark Wrestler by Helen Signy. It was a split-second decision. The predator had the young woman in its jaws and he might be her only hope of survival. Elise Frankham was still rattled by the argument she'd had with her best friend the night before. The 19-year-old hated that they'd parted on bad terms, and now all she wanted to do was dive into the crystal waters off Rockingham, Western Australia, and forget the quarrel. She knew that by donning her weight belt, mask and snorkel, she could escape to a tranquil and magical world. Frankham's diving job involved taking tourists to swim with dolphins. The 33 paying passengers on the six-hour snorkel tour this chilly spring morning on October 2010 were a mixed bunch. Three children, a handful of middle-aged women, family groups and visitors from overseas. Among them was Trevor Burns, a 48-year-old bear of a man. Weighing 130 kilograms with a full grey beard cascading down his chest, he was hard to miss. Burns and his wife Julie had shared many adventures together before settling in Perth. This trip was a special treat for their 24-year-old daughter Megan, visiting from Brisbane. Julie rarely ventured into the water. Today she was content to sit on the deck. She could relax, chat and photograph Trevor and Megan with the pod of dolphins. For his part, Burns was afraid of little, except this morning as he stepped onto the jetty, he flinched at the chill in the air. Frankham readied her snorkelling gear and strapped the precautionary shark repellent shield to her ankle. Meanwhile, her co-workers couldn't find the large-size wetsuit Julie Burns had requested when she'd booked her husband's ticket. With the crews set to head off at 8am sharp, a staff member dashed from the Val Street jetty to the warehouse a few streets away to fetch a bigger suit. As they waited, Frankham and her colleagues shared exciting news with their passengers. A dolphin in a familial pod had given birth the previous week and they had hopes of seeing the week-old calf. Throughout the morning, the 15.5-metre custom-built Apollo 3 diving boat cruised Rockingham's sheltered bay and islands. With everyone looking for fins breaking the surface, it wasn't long before the crew homed in on the dolphins. The tourists were divided into four groups to take turns entering the water. One guide in each group controlled a motorised sea scooter trailing the swimmers behind, each swimmer gripping onto the belt of the person in front. Today, Frankham's job was to attract and entertain the dolphins, keeping them on the surface so the tourists could see them. While this human chain tagged through the water, she swam above and below, keeping the dolphins engaged. As the dolphins frolicked around the delighted swimmers, those on the viewing deck marvelled at the whistles and splashes and relaxed with laughter. Burns and Megan called out in excitement to Julie, once back on board after their first close encounter with the dolphins. Burns then stepped aside to let a staff member pass him on the narrow walkway. As he did, he slipped and careered into the arm of a nearby seat. I'm fine, he assured everyone, feeling a bit embarrassed. It's just a little sore. But his ribs really ached. Just before lunchtime, the boat was about 300 metres off Garden Island in seven metres of water. A crew member spotted another small pod, It was two females and a newborn calf that couldn't have been more than a couple of hours old. Unlike the previous groups, these dolphins seemed erratic, darting off unexpectedly before returning to the diving boat. 
Julie, Megan and the other tourists on the deck found it a challenge to take photos. So Frankham agreed to go in. Just be careful, take it slow, a member of the crew reminded her. No sudden movements, we don't want to scare them off. Frankham's job was to dive to the seabed and encourage the trio to swim up to the surface. Just one group would go in this time. Forgetting his sore ribs, Burns took the one spare spot and Frankham slipped carefully back into the water. She clean forgot to switch on the ankle device that emitted an electric pulse to deter sharks. Burns and the others snorkelled on the surface as Franken dived down to attract the pod. Within minutes, she'd herded the three dolphins back up to the snorkelers, but the trio were quixotic. They kept disappearing, then would reappear, until in a flash of silver they were gone again. Once more, Frankham tried to rally the trio towards the surface. They started to rise from the bottom of the ocean, but then would swim back down. It must be because of the baby, she thought, as she rose to the surface for a quick breath of air just ahead of her group. Then it hit her. An almighty force from behind knocked her clear out of the water. As she flailed and gasped for air, she caught a glimpse of the boat, then looked down into the water below. All she could see was a grey wall of flesh. It was a great white shark. Just a metre behind Frankham, between her and the boat, Burns was stunned to see a grey mass torpedo past him, sending a fast gush of water in its wake. For a split second he thought it must be one of the friendly dolphins, before he watched in horror as the creature more than twice the length of a human adult latched onto both of Frankham's legs. Its massive jaws clamped right across her wetsuit, from under her knees to the top of her thighs. It momentarily let go and then took a powerful second bite to ensure a better grip. At this point, Frankham blacked out. Get off her, was Burns' only thought as he lunged at the shark in an attempt to get it to let go. Throwing his arms wide, he grabbed the predator behind its head in a bear hug, then held on for dear life as it thrashed around violently in the water. All around him was a haze of red water. Unable to meet his hands around its massive, powerful body, Burns used all his strength to grip its rough skin. Blinded by the churning red water, the shark suddenly flung him up into the air as if he were a ragdoll, sending his legs up over his head, before plunging back below the surface again. But he did not let go. Amid the chaos of the thrashing shark, the blood-stained waves and his own fear, Burns focused on one thought only – He had to get the shark off Frankham. Back on the boat there was chaos. The siren was calling the swimmers out of the water. From their perch up top, Julie and Megan saw the churning water turn white, then pink, then red. No one realised Frankham was still in the water. All they could see was Burns' solid form being thrown around, his legs flying through the air as the shark tried to shake him off. Burns couldn't see anything clearly, but he was thinking rationally. Adrenaline was keeping him sharply focused and masking the pain of his damaged ribs. He had to hold on. He didn't know what would come next. Frankham, with the shark still clamped around her legs, was bleeding profusely from severed arteries. Reviving, and with what strength she had left, she tried to punch the shark on the nose. Her efforts were pointless, her fist simply bouncing off the great white like a shoe kicking a tyre. Fumbling in the blood-red water, Frankham remembered the anklet. Reaching down, she somehow managed to flick the on button of the shark shield. And just as she did, she lapsed into unconsciousness.
The shark shield anklet works by sending an electrical impulse directly to the shark's nose, which causes unpleasant muscle spasms. Burns was still in a do-or-die embrace when the creature must have felt the discomfort of the high-frequency signal. It stopped bucking immediately, and just as it appeared, it ricocheted away back out to sea. As the beast powered to get away from the silent torture of the repeller, Burns's hold was simply torn away. As the water cleared, Burns could see Frankham was sinking. Her face mask was missing, and her eyes were open as she sank lower and lower. He duck-dived down and grabbed her from the ocean floor. Tourists were still scrambling to get out of the water and onto the sea-level platform at the back of the boat when they realised Burns had Frankham, and they crowded round to help pull her to safety. The shark had torn apart her legs, but her wetsuit was still in good shape and was holding the remnants of her legs together. Burns cradled her head and comforted her, while a paramedic and a nurse among the passengers set to work to stabilise her, strapping and raising her legs to impede blood loss. An ambulance waiting at the wharf rushed Frankham to a helicopter, which took her the 50 kilometres to a hospital in Perth. During emergency surgery, doctors removed three quarters of a shark's tooth that was lodged in the bone of her left thigh and sewed up her wounds with over 200 stitches to her thighs and legs. Meanwhile, Burns checked his rib injuries with hospital nurses, who said he'd either cracked or badly bruised his ribs in the fall on the boat. Shark experts guessed the attacker had been tracking the baby dolphin, and its presence explained why the pod was behaving oddly. Frankham made up with her best friend straight away. If nothing else, the horrific experience taught her to treat each moment with her loved ones as something precious. She took several months to walk without crutches, and still has occasional leg pain. Burns received a Star of Courage, one of Australia's highest awards for civilian bravery. He recently bought himself a snorkel, wetsuit and weight belt to take up snorkelling. Still thrilled at the beauty of the Western Australian seas, his main concern now is that people learn to respect the habits of sharks. They're not like a dog you can train, they are only doing what comes naturally, he says. Meanwhile, Julie is more determined than ever that the top deck is the safest place to be. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au Brought to you by Readers Digest Australia 